This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, I'm going to start to welcome Lapiansky here to the Yeshiva. Um, I personally have Listen to many shirim Rav Hashem online from Rav Piansky. Uh, his his uh, breadth of knowledge in uh, both halacha and hashkafa are uh, both inspiring and informative, uh, to say the least. And Rav uh, Piansky is a Rosh Hashiva of Shimdol uh, Greater Washington. He was actually just there last week on my recruiting trip. It's a beautiful Makom Torah, uh, and. Uh, just a tremendous cost for us to get a chance to, to learn from Rashiva. Um, I it's it's a feeling coming back home. I was I taught Nesha Torah from 1983 to 1990 before there was even a, a, a Havamina of a uh, The building was an old building. Um, it, it was better than the building that was there before, but it was really old, dilapidated, and Baruch Hashem, what's what it's built up to and so on is is amazing. I'd, I mean, I think the, um, w- we decided we'd do a little, I'd say like a small Dvar Torah and then we'd be open for questions and so on. So I, I wanted to um, point out something about the Mishkan. I think it's important because in a certain sense, we who are in Israel now, um, people like you that are coming from high school and are building a Mishkan, are really, really, in a certain sense, um, emulating the type of activity in, in these parishes. You're, you're, you're beginning to construct your spiritual um, home, even Bipnimius, inside you in terms of your understanding of life, your aspirations, and so on. If we're to ask ourselves, what's the most important aspect of this binyan? What's the most important aspect of the, the, the Mishkan? So, people will say uh, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Aron. It's not 100% true because a Beis existed with Aron. So, it's Baisheni did not have it. They're, 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 so, that can't be the critical piece. What is the critical piece? So, there's something that appears three times in three different places that really is significant, and that is division. You have an outer perimeter of Urios, which divides the entire campus of the Mishkan from the world outside. You have the walls of the Mishkan that set the Mishkan aside from everything else inside that perimeter. And you have a paroches that divides Kodesh from Kodesh Kadashim. So three structures in the the Mishkan and subsequently Besamigdash, three structures that have in themselves dividers physical dividers, and those are halachically mandatory. 
You don't have a Mishkan based Mishkan without them. And one of them divides the outside world, let's call it Tuma, from the inner world. One divides a place that's not Tomei, but it's not Kodesh. And one sets off some that's Kodesh Kadashim. And without those dividers, we don't have Kedusha. I once heard an observation from a biologist who was speaking, and he sort of teased the people, and he said, what's the most important structure of the cell, of the human cell or an animal cell, living cell? So some people say the nucleus, some people say you know, the mitochondria, other things. He said, no, the most important part is the membrane that surrounds the cell. Because if you don't have a memory, you don't have a cell. If you, if you peel off that membrane in, and you put the cell in a glass of water, it's not a cell. It just, it just is, is mush. The, the membrane around the cell defines the cell as a living entity. So any Kedusha we have, including Shabbos Kodesh, which is a Kedusha of time, includes in itself what you do, that's Kiddush, and includes itself what you don't do, and that's Havdalah. Havdalah sets, divides Kedusha from non-Kedusha. And that is as instrumental in making Kedusha as is the, the, the positive act making Kedusha. I, I wanted to sort of make some analogy of it. As a person becomes a bentora, and and somebody who is... In a, in a very, very strong way, observing mitzvahs, not just going through the motions, but getting into it and becoming a Torah and becoming an Ovid Hashem, we've, we, we, it's easier to focus on the positive. A lot of times the negative is just kind of, okay, you, you can't do it, you can't do it. But I think we need a lot of times to think about the value. Who we are is defined as much as by what we do, as, as much as what we don't do. And the boundaries that the Torah makes for us, the boundaries that the sense of being a ben Torah, the boundaries that we personally feel it define and describe who it is that we are, make us the person we are as much as the positive things we do. So it, it, by understanding this critical factor in the building of the Mishkan, I think as we build and form our own lives as Bnei Torah, as Bnei Yeshiva, as, as, as Ovdeh Hashem, it, it's, it's, it, it helps us understand the value of the things that cut us off and divide us from, from the world around us. Now that was a, a point I wanted to make about the Mishkan and then we could we'd discuss things, whatever it is. Uh, I, is the ideal Jew someone who sits on Torah all day or someone who is involved in Tikkun Olam through work, chesed, etc. Um, so it's like asking is the ideal soldier somebody that sits on the front line with a gun or somebody that is busy cracking through the computer system of the enemy? The answer is it depends what you're supposed to be doing. Um, if the if the if you if you're assigned to being on the front lines, then that's ideal. If you're assigned to work with computers, that's ideal. The Chavetz Chaim once met a a wealthy person, big Baltzaka, 
who started coming like early to shul, early meaning before the break of dawn, saying, tell him a lot. And he was scared. He felt that this person was, was trying to become a tzaddik of saying tillam rather than giving tzedakah. He felt he might actually use it to replace its tzedakah giving. And Chavetz Chaim told him, um, going AWOL is not only if you disappear from the army, but if you, if you jump from the army to the navy without permission, you're also AWOL. You're also um, a mishtamet. And, and the point is, a person needs to ask himself, what is it uh, Kaddish Baruch who gave a broad spectrum of Avodah Hashem for Kal Yisrael? People sit and learn Yom Valayla, people who are osik in the world of mitzvahs and chesed, people osik in the world of chulim, and, and, and they're, they're the ones who, who, who make the physical infrastructure for Kal Yisrael. The question should be, what am I suited to do? Where does HaKadosh Baruch send me? What are my circumstances? Sometimes it's easier to know the answer. Sometimes it's harder. But the point is, the ideal Jew is the one that does what HaKadosh Baruch sent him to do. Um, and therefore, it, it, compared to, you really, really can't compare the two. We do, however, have a hierarchy of kavod. We, we, the person who is Kulo Torah, we defer to him in the sense of recognizing that he's Kodesh Kadoshim. But if I ask myself, what's ideal? A Mishkan with a Kodesh Kadoshim without a Chatzar, or Mishkan Chatzar Kadoshim? The answer is neither of the two are viable. What's better, a person without a heart or a person without a brain? I mean, they're both dead, so it's kind of really, really um, a, a moot point. But but this is some maybe um, excuse me could we could we make a certain Abdullah and this will be the last group in I, I, it's a little bit uh, I find uh, hello no one else is coming in okay we're, we're good we're 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 finished for the afternoon um, so so really the ideal person is not somebody who's doing something one thing it's doing the thing that you're suited for and you open this world for you can a lot of times get a feel for your talents. And there are challenges sometimes. If yes, please follow up. Yeah. Um, not a follow up, just a new question. Just yeah, if, if you can introduce yourself, your name and where you're from, and just like. Aaron Warnick from Hollywood, Florida. Yeah. Um, thank you for speaking us, to us. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, I just have a question that every day in our davening we um we ask for temple service back. We ask yes. The base on Mikdash back. Right. And for me, I connect to other brachos, but that one's very hard to connect to, especially after seeing stuff like in this week's Parsha of just these sacrifices going on, a bunch of fat and blood everywhere, and these things going to, like, like I'm not a vegetarian, but it just seems very right. just disgusting and not like what's supposed to be going on in the temple. I mean, it is supposed to be going on in the temple, but to me, it's just very hard to connect to, like, wanting that. I want to see, like, and I've seen videos of like cows being slaughtered. It's not an appealing sight to see. Right. So it's just very hard to meet from that. I, I think because we don't have it, and because we don't know, for instance, uh, imagine somebody would give you a picture of Shabbos. Oh, Shabbos is a day when you don't touch lights, you don't touch your phone, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that. And you say to yourself, my gosh, why would somebody want to keep it? When you get into it, it, it sort of begins to click in and you begin to sort of recognize what it is. 
you're right. We are so removed from temple service. We're so removed from that form. But the fact that the Torah made this the cornerstone of our religious experience tells us that the re religious experience we have now is pale compared to what it would be and could be in the Beis Hamikdash. So, and let's say the, the laws of Taharos. Um, most people, even people who learn, have a hard time connecting to it because it's not part of our life. So, part of what we're misspelled for is that we get it. I always think that that's the reason for the bracha of Asachazena Einenu, may our eyes behold the coming back to, to, to Zion. It's strange. I mean, say it in our lifetime. We usually say Mashiach come in our lifetime. Why our eyes should behold? When you see something, you understand it. Right now, we don't even understand what Mashiach is exactly, what this is. We're asking to connect to it because, um, you know, so if we see it, we'll understand it. So I, I think that all of that should be part of our tefillah to, to, that we would like to connect to it. Good point. Yes, somebody behind you. In, uh, in Orda Kodesh. Uh, can you introduce yourself? Hi, yeah. In Orda Kodesh, it says that you can't let your Yerat Shemayim push off your natural morality. Which, number one, what does that really mean? And two, is that true? Where does it say it? I'm sorry, I didn't know. You, you quoted it in a book, or what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear Yeah, I was reading, I'm forgetting which safer it was, but it was bringing down all these different sources. Right. The Yerat Shemayim, and it referenced that, and I'm just not really sure. So, it said, it, so again, let it quote what, what, whatever it is. It's quoted again. I just. I just it says that you can't let your Yerat Shemayim push away your natural morality. So I'm not sure that I agree with it, uh, the way you're quoting it. Again, I, you know, I'm hearing a quote, and it is a big issue. People speak about natural morality versus Yerat Shemayim. Let me, let me, um, let me tell you a, a story and, and where I think it'll help, help us understand it. Many years ago, there was a family, a, a young married couple, they suffered a traumatic experience. They, they lost a child, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, uh, you know, just, just born type of, of child. A very, very, you know, very emotional period. And I, I know them well, they're wonderful people, very, very special people, very religious people. And she, they had an older son, they had one older child who Baruch Hashem was alive and well. And at some point later, the mother told me, you know, I love my child so much, this one, I, you know, I have so much feeling. I don't even think Hashem could love him or could love someone the way I love him. That's the way she expressed it. So I told her, there's a Pasik, and we said it this day in, in, in the Yom, Hayotza ayin haloyabit. Can it be that the person who created an eye does not see? In other words, our definition of Hashem is not big, great, mighty. It is all, all-inclusive, and anything that exists is of that. So we have moral instincts in our heart. Where does it come from? No animal has it. The, 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 the evolutionary scientists have a very lame explanation for it, very lame. We feel very strongly about injustice. We feel uh, terrible about suffering. All of these are the way an eye sees, the heart feels. And the heart feeling is coming from someplace. Our conscience, we didn't create it. So natural morality exists only because a Baruch endowed it to us. 
it is a good tool, but it is very vague. And, and that's why you can't, Akash give us a Torah, because natural morality could not come on its own to the full understanding of good and bad. To take an eight-year-old child and to cut, make it bleed, hurt it, is that natural moral? Well, Hashem says this is the right thing to do. Um, so I need to take my natural instincts of morality and shape it the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it. It is the same way we all have a natural drive um, for our rias. That drive, when f- if left natural, it, it will, will destroy us. It, it, makes, it makes relationships meaningless. When we follow the Torah's direction and strictures, it, it becomes the most powerful tool for building a very strong family. So we take our natural instinct, it's a good instinct, and we say who, what, when, where, and how, we don't know unless Hashem tells us how. What's mine, what's his, and so on. So, so I, I very strongly state that if is wrong, dead wrong, because it means there's something outside of God that is bigger than God. That, that it, it, it's a statement Again, if, if I've, I've heard people say these things, and, and they are, I mean, r- r- as wrong, they go to the heart of how we define a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Because, and, and let's try to understand this. Imagine I'm having a competition, um, a, a debate with Einstein. So I would say chances are 99% of the time he'll be right. But the word impossible that I should score a point or two doesn't exist. It's possible I'll score a point. I could be wrestling somebody much, much stronger than me. 99.9 chances I'll be defeated. It's possible that I'll... Uh, that I'll uh, but if I tell you that I have... That, it, that the computer is smarter than the person programmed it, that's an impossibility. It's quicker. It can do more calculations. But in terms of, of, the, of the understanding, the computer is the result of the mind of the programmer. So, yes, computers are quicker than we are and, and, and less prone for mistakes, etc. But in terms of brightness, it's impossible, not because one is smarter than the other, but one is of the other. Hashem is defined as all-encompassing, kolachol, and we are of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore the, 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 the ability for anything in the world, call it natural morality, call it natural law, anything to supersede HaKadosh Baruch Hu is an impossibility by how we define HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I would put that note on the side of the book. <laughs> yes. Um, next question. I, I guess the questions come from you, so your questions are all encompassing, and these are just a few of the questions. If someone is involved in the world, in what way should they stay growing their learning? Why is there so much focus on Gemara learning? What is more important to focus on, Be'in or Be'kiyos? Um, not clear about the last two questions, whether they're talking about in yeshiva setting or outside yeshiva setting. Um, let's, it's, so let's speak about this. The, the Rambam says, when he speaks about the halachas, uh, so, so we'll, I'll address the last two, because chronologically I think they precede the first question. Um, there, the, the first, the, the, the Ramam, f- the Ramam says the obligation to learn 
includes two elements. It is to know all of Torah, that's one part, and the other part is to think and delve into it. The knowing all of Torah, obviously we're not talking about everything that's ever printed, is Tanakh and the basic Torah Shabbat, the Shas, etc. Once a person knows that, now, a per- so while a person is learning, the Raman writes he should devote a lot of his time for learning stuff that he that he remembers, knows, understands, that, that he you know that he that he accumulates, and spends some time thinking into it, and then the um, and, and then once he once he knows it all, periodically to review it and just spend time thinking, understanding. Iyun is just one of the ways to understand. Now, Torah is understanding what you're learning. There are different, there have been different approaches to Iyun, many different approaches. The Shiva system has is, become the dominant one, certain type of questions, type of answers. But, but the understanding that nothing written ever tells you all the information you need, and everything written poses a question, what exactly did you mean, and how did you mean it, and how do I understand what's the rule that includes all these, that's part of Iyun. A person should give some time, at least to Iyun, because that's, it's a unique component of Talmud Torah. And as you get better in it, this is really where you, where you become very, very, um, very bonded with Torah. Um, because it's your thinking and grappling with a question as opposed to absorbing information. So it's hard to, it's hard to um, separate that out. I, learning Gemara is difficult. You have to learn lang- a new language, punctuation, uh, you, um, you need to figure out question, answer. I, I, it is a mountain to climb. But once you have it, you're a partner in Torah. The, 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 the halacha of Klal Yisrael and Agada is in the Gemara. It's, it's the same, whatever arguments people make, it has to sit on the Gemara. All halacha that's paskind is going to come from the Gemara. You will be living in a community and you have to choose communities and somebody will tell you this community is too religious, this community is not religious enough. These people are, 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 are not doing right, they're doing right. If you have no idea if you're not an educated consumer, you're lost. I mean, this rabbi sounds very good. This rabbi sounds very good. I mean, what do you, if, you don't, if you're not able yourself to get a feel for what they're talking about, what's normative, what's not, you're really at the mercy of, of other people all the time. So in many ways, it's important to get a handle. Having said that, different people, this, I see it's the next question. If every Jew has an obligation on Torah, why are different people more capable than others in learning what should someone do if they feel they're not cut out learning full-time so so the answer is yes different people are different in 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 uh, there are two there are two directions one is everybody needs a time in their lives when they learn to the best of their abilities which is what an environment like this is supposed to do. You're, you're, you're insulated, you're, you're involved with learning, you're only in learning, and, and that's you. How long you stay in it depends on the person. It's something that you need a personal direction, somebody to help get your sense of it. The people who can do it for a lifetime are the bedrock of Claudius Yisrael's attachment to Torah. 
when you leave, you need to remain attached. And then I, I came out recently with a book. I'm not, I'm not here to advertise or sell it. I don't have any copies to sell, and I don't even know where you can buy it. It's wherever it is in the better bookstores, wherever that may be. Um, it, it's, it's called Orchus Chaim Ben Torah for Life. It's, it's, it speaks about this topic specifically because today it faces a lot of people. Even people who've been learning many years in Kolel and sort of grew up very traditionally yeshivish, many people today are doing something other than sitting and learning. And the adjustment is difficult. I don't have easy solutions, just kind of points to think about and to deal with. Um, four, how much can one invest himself in leisure, relaxation, hobbies if he's also Govei Torah? Um, so the answer is there's one word in this in this sentence that struck me, and that is invest. Um, my answer to that is zero. Now let me explain what it is. If someone asks me, is there anything wrong with going to a ball game? No. Um, is it a fine thing to do? Yeah. People need to. In my days, called chill out. I don't know. What, I don't know what the slang is today. I'm not, not updated on slang. People need to relax, chill out. If chilling out means it gives you a break, you don't need to think, and you can just sit back and enjoy as it is. That's really helpful. But when you invest yourself and you begin to be misboned and misamic, why did they lose the game? And who played terrible? And was it a problem with the managing? Was it a problem with this or with that? Then you. Then there's another vodazara. We, we now have a new god to worship. There was a boy in, in our yeshiva, he's in the uh, he eighth grader, came over to me and asked me if we could be misspelled for the Ravens. I don't know if the Ravens are now. It's one of the local teams to win. So I told him, you know, I'm really happy with that request because I assume that all sick people have been healed, all, all poor people have what to eat, and all single men and women have gotten married, and now the next problem for Kali is the Ravens, and, and that's, that's really an amazing problem. But, I, and I, I told him, I said, listen, I understand you like the sports, there's nothing wrong with it, but you need to be mavdal between important things in life and stupidities. It's a relaxation, and it's good. It's good to relax, and if you find relaxation that, that's fine. It should never have a price tag with the man's investment. So, in general, when you choose, so if, if it's a hobby that has in itself um, Things that can bring out of us, a person's music, deeply invested in music. Music is an expression that has a voice Hashem in it, and one can, and, and one can use Then that's a good question. Art, and, and in a certain way, can bring out certain things. And, and you know, th- th- these are things that a person could see them as drachen of Hashem, properly channeled. But there is relaxation. And, you know, I- I- going to a beach, I- I- um, eating out, whatever it is, I have a, a, a friend of mine who is a is a, is a person. His family member, you know, his extended family came for something. They're very fancy people, and they were eating the meal, and they, and they, they were talking about the food was very special, I guess. And they were saying, "Oh, this this is this is very very provocative, and this this expresses this that." And he gave a bang on the table and said, "Rabbi Sai, you want to talk about food? Say it tastes good. It doesn't taste good. Don't give it intellectual dimension." It's not an intellectual enterprise. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever it is. It's kugel, it's chicken. It's not a great intellectual enterprise. And that's, the, 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 the problem is we have created in America the, the, the leisure culture. 
that, that's, that should be a tarted asasa, that should be mutually exclusive. If it's leisure, it means it's to take a break. It's not to think about it. If it's culture, it's, it's something that has some inherent value to it. <coughs> Sports has no inherent value. Its value is you're able to let off steam. Its value, it's good for your, it's, it's good for your physical development. A basketball game should begin and end with the game. If, if, if it requires deep machshavis and, and analysis, you've taken something that's inherently worthless and made in something else. <coughs> it's about a zura in a contemporary setting. Uh, you know, I don't mean to sound so sharp, but that's what it is. So therefore, a person should take as much relaxation as he needs, and 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 you know, different people have different needs. And a person needs to honestly ask himself, what do I need to function well, and what am I doing? To a person, everybody, everyone needs to sleep. Everyone needs to nap. But when do I start sleeping for the sake of sleeping, and when is it? To, to take it easy and, 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 to, and to be over the Hashem better later. Five, should one join the Israeli army if he wants to give to Kala Yisrael? What are the right reasons for going? What are the wrong reasons? And how should one weigh this decision? Um, so the person needs to ask himself, uh, I, again, this is a very personal decision because different people are different. If you're an Israeli citizen and you have to go to the army, you have to go to the army because you're an Israeli citizen. You know, on, the, on whatever the law is, that's <coughs> what it is. If you're an outsider who's come, the question is, you have to sit down. Most people need to ask themselves, what's the real reason I want to go? Um, and should that reason determine it? If most people giving to Kalyasrol is not quite the reason, it's exciting, it's adventurous, it sounds interesting. For some people, the army experience has helped them become disciplined, has helped them get their act together. For some people, it, it's been, it, you know, I, I've spoken with kids in our community, many, you know, our community is a very broad community, diverse, and, and there are kids every year who go to the army, and, you know, I speak to them. Some of them, I think it's been helpful for the growth, and some of them told me, I, you know, I, I feel a ureter, I feel I wasted my time, and they're quite upset. It, it, I think it's important to sit down with somebody that can give you a reality check, and say, what do you really want? Sometimes it's a person who's never successful and feels to be successful. Sometimes it's a person who's just kind of naively romantic. Sometimes it's a person that actually puts discipline in their lives. So it's, it's a question that's very personal and really... Giving to Kali Yisrael, um, the army is important. But what Aisha told done for Kali Yisrael, it, it, the, the army protects people um, from getting killed. Aisha Torah has dragged back people who were killed and made them alive again. And, and that's what they've done. And it's not, you know, and yes, it's not as glamorous to sit out and who knows where and to schlep people in and so on and so forth. But th the reality is, Kaleisrael probably has tens of thousands more people now because of Eshat So if you want to give to Kaleisrael, that's, that's an amazing way to give. Um, you know, I've thought about it many times that if it became popular for people to take two or three years, we had a, a, a Talmud of ours who was very capable and did not want to spend his life in Rabbanis. Um, went to law school, Georgetown Law School, prestigious law school, did very well, graduated, and then he took three years and was in Madison, Wisconsin, doing Kirov. Madison, Wisconsin is the end of the earth, for those of you who have been there. <laughs> it, it's, it's a very pretty place. As far as Yiddishkeit goes, it ends about 50 miles before that, or whatever, 100 miles. Milwaukee is the last outpost. And they did amazing work. And, and, and I, to me, it was very moving, that sentiment. He felt that he can't, it's Rabbanus for his life, for a lifetime is not for him. 
but he does have a few years now that he can give. And starting your career late is not the best thing for a career, but he felt he's giving for Kaisel. So I would seriously, I mean, Aisha Torah does present tremendous opportunities for giving Kaisel in a very meaningful way. It's not only saving bodies, it's saving souls. So, uh, so I think it's something you need to find a mentor who, who understands you, understands the reality of what could be done, and, and make a good decision together. Um, six, how do we engender actors among different stripes of Kali Yisrael? My Rebbe Yochayim Shmulevitz used to have a marshal, and he said in the market day in, in, in Europe, there used to be a lot of fights and tussles. You know, it was a very hectic. People would come, there were no malls, there were no shopping centers, and once a week, um, people would come together in a square, in a town square, from all the little hamlets around, and buy and sell. Everything had to be done that day. So there would be a lot of tempers would flare, and people would start fighting each other, and hitting each other, and killing each other. At the end of the day, Chaim said, everybody who had been hit and, you know, and knocked about would pick themselves up and move on, because they were not, they were not, um, you know, they weren't injured that seriously. The only people who lay unconscious were the peacemakers who tried to get in between the, the fighting parties, because they got hit from two sides. Everyone else got hit only from one person. They got hit from both sides. So Chaim would, 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 would speak about it a little bit cynically or so on. I don't think that any imposition of peace from the outside is ever successful. Yes, when countries are fighting a war, there's some, you know, there are some, you could make a line and sort of get in. But, but when people see things differently and, <coughs> and, and, people's, and people whose nature is to be very vehement about what they think and feel, it's because they feel threatened or otherwise, it, there's no way you can preach peace to those people. But what I do think you can do is be a personal example because you, you in your life will come across people that make you upset. Another minute, okay? Make you upset and annoy you. You deal with other people. If you deal civilly and menschlich with the people that you really have a hard time with, and then it's, it makes a small difference. It, 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 ideas of how to interact with people you vehemently disagree with are, are, are generated by a social sense of things. And to change that requires many people make those changes. I honestly think that no great proclamation from the top ever does it. And I think every person in his own personal life, it sends a message. It's very hard to fight with people who, are, um, who, who don't respond with hate. So it means absorb love, people cut you out, people don't act mental to you. At the end of the day, um, I want to tell you who a paradigm of this was. Reb Noah Weinberg was abused. I don't, you know, in different situations, he wasn't treated well by many different people. He never rated anything but optimism, happiness, pleasantness. He responded always with his, with his, um, sh with a shine. And that's why, he, that's why his star rose. Um, and I know I, I did my first meeting with him was, um, you know, I came to be interviewed about a job in yeshiva. And as I was sitting, someone came in. I didn't know what they were talking about. I, I caught the gist of it that someone had done something to the yeshiva that was less than 
less than, um, let's put it this way, honest or whatever it is, and he did not bat an eyelash. Um, and, you know, and it wasn't that he wasn't upset, but that was him. I, if every person would do it that way, it would begin changing because you're talking about a, a, a social response. You're talking about things that are ingrained. And I, I, so I honestly think the only way to do it is people, personal examples. Yeah, what did you want? Someone that was a, yes. Introduce yourself. What's your name? Travis Malamud from Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, wow. Do you know Rabbi Hopman? Yes, I know him well from Olney. I've, uh, yeah, we've, oh, wow. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> so, my question is if Noah's flood destroyed the whole world, and that happened about 5,000 years ago, how do we explain uh, like Native Americans and people on the western side of the world getting to western side of the world, uh, which is generally accepted as thousands of years before that. Okay. Um, it, it, it's something that would be good to have a, a discussion there. I'm not pressed for another 10 minutes, but, but generally speaking, whenever we're talking about reconciling Torah with what we find around us, until, until let's say, Avraham Avinu's times, we have very little physical description of Torah. All the whole world means the entire world, the entire populated world, Mesopotamia. It, it, we have so little information. All we know is all of civilization at the time was destroyed. Exactly, there, there are differing opinions. I, I have a hard time reconstructing exactly those points, and that's why it's hard for me to say exactly what the Torah is saying. Um, the, the, you know, when we talk about the entire world, does it mean the entire settled area and these people on the fringes? I, I don't know, I, and that's why I, I, I can, you know, I, I can offer you different scenarios, but I, 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 I don't have the confidence that I actually know something. It's, it's the same thing through with creation. Uh, there, are certain there are certain elements that are absolute. There is a God who created. It could not have happened without him. There was a structure and there was a certain um, a, a, a certain mahalach. But getting things down more exacting, that is difficult. And you have chazal that differ. It, 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 it's almost as if the Torah does not give us almost any information. Yes? Is it perfectly kosher to take the passages in the Gemara about nature of the world and say that Hazal were just basing themselves off of outdated information when they said it? Well, I think we need to go a step back. Um, there, there are two, there are two um, types of Hazal, Halacha and Agada. So in, in, in Agada, we need to ask ourselves, why why would the Chazal tell us a lot of information that's not religious in its nature? What's healthy to eat, what's not healthy to eat, and all, all of that. And a, a common understood approach to it is, and, and, and again, in both these questions, there are many approaches. As long as they fit into a certain bookend, they all can be kosher, even though some people will hotly do it one way or another. But the, the, the basic points are, in halacha, nothing changes no matter what. So let's separate the two and let's try to give. So we have the areas that Chazal told us information about nature, <coughs> that we find it to be not the way we see it in the world of Agada. In the world of Agada, it's much easier to understand because they were using it more as a marshal 
than to tell us it's not a botany book, it's not a, a book of zoology, it's, it's, it's meant to teach us something. There's so much Gemara, they didn't stick in other stuff just for general education. So whatever they spoke about something, it has some sort of meaning behind it. They're using it as a mosque, in which case they used what was currently understood and so on. So we now got it. What do we do in halacha when Chazal tell us something, halacha based on something, which we find today to be different? That's a, a, the most relevant of the questions. The answer is, um, so the halacha doesn't budge, I think, by anybody's account. But I think the pshat is as follows. This, again, this is why I think, I, I think it's, it, 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 it's, it's um, fairly widely understood like this. Halacha was given to us to be applied with human understanding and, and common, in, in other words, as we perceive the world, that's how Allah works. So for instance, when we, when we ask, the, the, the best example is, when we look at a Sefer Torah and ask ourselves, are these letters touching or not? The, the question is not, are they touching? The question is, do we see them as touching? Certain halachas of nida depends on a color of blood. And um, many, you know, we don't have that full range of trumas and tire, but it's still there's an application. The color of red, if you don't see it as red, even if a, a, um, an, a, um, an instrument will measure it as being the red wavelength, it makes no difference. It's the reason why Tanakh speaks of the sun setting and the sun rising. It's, it, it's as far as we're concerned, the sun sets and the sun rises. So the halacha should be applied the way things appear to the unaided, naked eye and experience. And that's why Chazal took those experiences and they said, this is a type of, 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 of illness that, you, a type of organ missing that the animal doesn't live for a year. The fact that we now have systems for, per, for, for sustaining it may not change the halacha. There are, there's actually some disagreement on that, I, 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 on that point specifically. So as I would say as follows, that Chazal took the science of their day, the answer is yes. Chazal in Agada, in Agadis, um, it, it, were using it as a marshal. There's no reason why they would tell us just physical facts unless they're trying to say something about it. In, in Halacha, because Halacha is built around human perception, unaided human perception, then the experiences that Chazal had, which was the common experience, would hold true. I personally also, and again, many believe, that in Chazal itself, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it, made it, so that we'll find an inner truth that fits some inner facet of nature. Um, I believe that. But I don't know if that, I, I don't think that that's necessary. In other words, what we're required to understand is Chazal's Torah, and it's giving me the basic understanding of what um, halachic reality is. It's giving me the basic understanding why did Hashem make things appear to us in a certain way? And, and it's to teach us something. Um, it, 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 so, so all of these things are there in terms of our perception and what we learn from it. It's not meant to substitute a, a medical book. Yes? What is your view on uh, proper teshuva? I, I don't have a personal view. I, I ascribe to the Torah view. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but let's speak about more 
I think I, I see there's somebody there impatient in the back, but uh, it's like, uh, um, no, well, the, the, um, I think an important key, uh, you obviously heard a lot about it. I think one of the most important pieces to fit in is to understand yourself why you're doing something, why you keep on doing something. Person didn't eat kosher and now he's eating kosher, and so the tshuva, fine, that's a strict. But a lot of times a person has that, he keeps coming late. So a lot of times somebody who has insight in human nature will be helpful for that because something you keep coming back to again and again, most of the time it's because there's something inside you that's driving it. I can think, what, uh, sorry, you, although, what's your name? Introduce Noah Tom Rubin from Chicago. My question is, we say like the spirit of Shabbos means that like you shouldn't like turn on TV before Shabbos and then you can watch the game on Shabbos. Right. Is there any halakhic reason for that? Or is that just a nice thing? Okay, so so a specifically about about the putting on the TV and so on is is you know th- there may be a lochic issue with the sound if you could turn it or not. I, I don't want to go into that because that's not probably what you're asking. Um, there's a general halacha of being mechabit shabbos, being mekadesh, being mechabit shabbos. It could vary, but you have to honestly ask yourself what is that bubble of kedusha. And like I said in my starting remarks, and I think that's a very good place to, to segue into it, nothing is holy unless you put a wall around it. What's not there? When you go to a fancy restaurant, there's what they serve, and the fact that you have to walk in dressed, or you have to walk in with a tuxedo, it does something, it adds to it. So, so in, in asking yourself, what are the things you won't do at the table? What are the th- or, or around your, uh, or in your home? What doesn't enter Shabbos is Kavod Shabbos and Ketusha Shabbos. So, I, I, if if you can construct the scenario where that's you know where you have it, so okay, then it's a, then are halachic issues maybe with with the sound on, not on. Fine, that that you can ask a local rabbi. But I think in the big picture, you need to ask yourself: Does my Shabbos look different than other days? And excluding things is as important as including. So ask yourself, what are the things you, you, you exclude from your, you know, certain, I remember growing certain foods were considered to be weekday foods, ketchup, pickles, whatever it is. It, there's no halach problem, but it set a certain tone, not here. And, and, and I think once we get to use the idea that a lot of what's positive is by what's not there, we're going to be able to, um, to create a lot of good things. They'll take on a whole different sewer and so on. Okay, I, uh, okay, one, yeah, I, uh, okay, what, what, you? Thank you. Um, What's your name? Where are you from? Ali, Ali Omer Gadelman, um, from Sake originally. Do you feel that yeshivas do go slow enough for their um, students to really be macabre the learning? It seems to me that most yeshivas don't do enough kazara and keep going forward and forward and forward to the point where unless the Bacham are doing a ton of review, they won't really be able to make problem of learning. These things are always a struggle and it, and it really depends on the students, on the, on the yeshiva. Sometimes if you don't push people to go forward, they'll never move and so on and it becomes like sort of sluggish. There are a lot of reasons, I don't have time, just I have to go and say this. There are a lot of reasons on a practical level, why why you may feel it's stronger. When I learned the Mi Yeshiva, everyone was complaining we're going too fast. 
I look now back at it and say that was the right thing to do. It, it gave us a certain appropriate pace, and I'm upset with my students who go too slow. So you know, it's 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 maybe maybe it's something. It gives you a certain way to push. I'm sorry, I, I need to to go this stage. How are you? She's married to third child. She's married to her 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 third child. Yeah. 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 Yeah.